this is Coach's Chat, and I'm Betsy Foster. You're in for some thoughtful conversations with fitness industry professionals, musings on current topics in the wellness field, and actionable advice for building a thriving career as a fitness professional. At Foster Strength, my mission is to lead and educate colleagues in the fitness industry to deliver client-centered coaching that gets clients real results built on sound scientific principles, encourages them to build a long and fulfilling relationship with exercise, and disrupts toxic fitness culture to foster an inclusive industry. Let's get going. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Coach's Chat. This is the next installment of the Beyond the Basics series designed to give you some fresh ideas or some out-of-the-box thoughts when it comes to programming, specifically going beyond the initial uh, personal training certification textbook and giving you some real-life suggestions that may be most appropriate when working with general fitness clientele in a commercial gym setting or a private uh, small fitness boutique setting. These are sort of the learned experiences, the tried and true applications that are sometimes left out of those textbooks because honestly, let's be real, there's only so much that they can cover. So today we're gonna be covering pushing and pressing. I should say pretty quickly here though, that due to um, my growing belly and approaching labor, I'm sitting on a stability ball and I realize as I move around, we get stability ball sounds. So just bear with me there. All right, so let's talk pushing and pressing. So the way I've divided up these Beyond the Basic episodes, I'm looking at sort of what we consider the primal movement patterns or how we categorize different kinds of movements. We covered the squat already um, in a previous episode, and today I'm looking at pushing and pressing. These are typically upper body movements, though you could consider some lower body movements pushing and pressing, but when we think about it in these terms, we're really thinking about kind of upper body. And so you learn a lot about different exercise choices, exercise selection as it comes to pushing um, in initial CPT programs. So I'm not going to cover the basics. Instead, I'm going to give you three tips, tips, tricks, suggestions that I think help take that basic information you receive and apply it to the actual training environment. In all of this conversation, I have the general fitness client who buys personal training at a commercial gym in mind. So bear in, bear in mind that I'm not thinking about um, special populations necessarily. I'm not 
I'll bring up injury and things in these conversations, but I'm assuming that this person has the um, ability to move uh, successfully through the pattern, and we'll talk about that. But I'm not talking about athletes. I'm not talking about sports-specific training. I'm talking about your general fitness personal training clients, so something to keep in mind, which in a lot of cases... A lot of personal training texts or even strength and conditioning texts are written with the athlete in mind. And if you're a career personal trainer who works in a more general fitness setting, some of these topics aren't really discussed unless you're in a more functional training atmosphere, functional training learning atmosphere. So something just to consider there. All right, so the three tips, tricks, advice, pieces of advice I have for you today related to pushing and pressing. Uh, Start with, don't be afraid of volume when it comes to pushing and pressing. So I think in general, there is sort of a prevailing thought, which is a smart thought, so I'm not discounting it, but I'm saying it may have gotten a bit... Um, taken out of context or gone to the extreme in the functional fitness atmosphere. And that is, the advice is you need to have two times as much pulling as you do pushing in someone's program. So when we're thinking about pushing, we're thinking about in the sagittal plane, we're talking about push-ups, bench press, things like that. And then when we're thinking about the frontal plane, we're thinking about overhead movements, pull-ups, I mean, uh, push-up, overhead press, that kind of thing. When we're talking about pulling, then we're talking about pull-ups, lat pull-downs in the frontal plane, and our sagittal plane movements are more rows, things like that. So the functional fitness training advice over the last... I don't know how many years, has been your general fitness client needs twice as much pulling as they do pushing in their program. And this is to address what tends to be that sort of um, upper cross syndrome or that highly kyphotic uh, thoracic spine position. So someone is hunched over their computer uh, they're rounded forward all the time. And then you give them a lot of pushing movements and it's just kind of accentuating that. So that's where that logic came from. And it's, it's, it's wise because it is really what we see. We see individuals who have spent years training the muscles that they see in the mirror. And so they're forward. They don't have like as strong backs as they do front even though what I would say is I'm not sure that it's actually strength, that there's like greater strength on the anterior or front side of the body. I just think that it's been a focus. And so this is where I think, yes, we should really focus on those pulling movements to help a client who wants um, greater balance in terms of posture, who wants that thoracic extension that they're not getting, and even if they don't necessarily know they want it, knowing that it's going to be better for their mechanics, better for um, avoiding discomfort, 
things like that. It's a very useful programming tip. What I think it has done though, is it has put fear into the minds of young, fresh personal trainers and has left them feeling like, oh, I can't program lots of pushing movements. And so then clients have push-up goals or bench press goals and they're never reaching them because a trainer is so worried about feeding their dysfunction. So instead, I would say, don't necessarily be as afraid of that volume when it comes to programming, pushing, and pressing. Just find some balance, find some ways where you can um, focus on increased mobility, focus on increased strength when it comes to those sort of postural muscles and ways in which you want someone um, to move more effectively. But it shouldn't sacrifice the need for that individual to train the exercises that are going to get them to their goal. So uh, barring any injury that would contraindicate some of these pushing movements, let them push, let them push, let them push, and then just find ways to complement that with pulling movements as well. But don't be afraid to program those exercises. So the second tip slash trick slash piece of advice, I guess I could just say tip, is that we also don't want to be afraid to use the overhead press movement with the available range of motion that we do have. Please listen to that one more time. We do not want to be afraid to use the overhead press movement with the available range of motion that we have, while simultaneously continuing to train for greater range of motion. So I've seen time and time again, people do some sort of overhead mobility screen see that their client has limited shoulder mobility or a shoulder impingement, and then decide that they just cannot do any overhead movement. Not at the behest of a doctor or physical therapist. They've just decided that that's like something that they have to completely avoid. And then I hate to break it to you, but your client with those limitations, they're still lifting stuff overhead at home. So what can we do to help them get stronger to train that movement? I think one is to be smart about challenging active range of motion. So working mobility, i.e. not just stretching, but really having them move through greater range of motion with a variety of different exercises. These would be examples of things that we would do maybe not under load or not under great amounts of load, though load, I would argue, could help in some of these cases. I also think that we can use other tools to load overhead pressing movements to the extent of the range of motion that they do have. So one of the things I love is the landmine press, 
we get a client pressing in an overhead, in a frontal plane uh, movement, really challenging them, mimicking what they'll likely do if they're putting something up um, on a high shelf or something. And we're, and we're able to do that without the same amount of shoulder mobility and even um, just general like spinal demand as that straight up and down position from standing or even sitting or something like that. So that landmine allows us to take advantage of all that space, all that, all those angles in between a sagittal plane press. We just continue to open, um, open that up. So I would say, again, we don't want to just cut out an entire movement from someone's program unless they have been instructed to do so by you know, for a temporary period of time by a physical therapist, by a doctor, maybe it's for an extended period of time, but we're always kind of continuing to check on that. If that isn't the case, then we're going to figure out how we can challenge them in what we call their trainable menu. So maybe they don't have full shoulder range of motion. I'm going to build their program with some really thoughtful mobility exercises to increase that range of motion. And then I'm going to train them in the range of motion that is available. Again, pushing it so that I'm extending it and not continuing to limit it. I'm never getting them more available strength in a range of motion if I'm not training it. And lastly, the last tip here is to incorporate pushing pressing movements into your core work. So one of the things that we think about, oftentimes we get locked into our pushing and pressing is coming as these separate movements. These are the however many exercises that count as pushing and pressing, but we can also get those patterns in while we're doing core specific work or anti-rotation, anti-extension, anti-flexion work, things like that. And the benefits there are, one, it's, it's highly functional in terms of we are going to move our limbs while trying to maintain a steady and sturdy core in life. So it's a great thing to train. When we think about overhead movements specifically, we're thinking about a demand on our core that's oftentimes downward pressure um, on our pelvic floor. And so for people who need to train stability through the entire abdominal canister, and what I mean by that is sort of that diaphragm at the top, our abdominals, so our rectus abdominis, transverse abdominis, um, obliques, all of that, and then our pelvic floor as our sort of bottom of the core support. When we are going to load overhead movements in particular, we're going to put a lot of stress on that core. So let's figure out ways where we can load that, maybe not to the same extent, but figure out how we're gonna move those 
extremities in pushing and pressing movements during core focused work. So things that come to mind are a payoff press, something where you're going to resist rotation, but you're getting a press in, um, overhead movement while planking. So just sort of like extending uh, arms overhead. We do uh, overhead carries can be really useful. Um, and then like pressing them up there. Things like that. Things where we're doing like a rollout. Um, you're going to get that sort of overhead press movement at the same time. Um, there are lots of like push variations that you can incorporate into planks or to um, more dynamic core specific work. So just not getting locked into, I've got these sagittal plane push exercises, these frontal plane push exercises, but really figuring out ways that you can incorporate those movements in other areas of the program. So that's the third tip there. So our three tips today were making sure that you're not afraid to program pushing and pressing in larger volumes. You can certainly offset it with pulling movements, but there is value, um, particularly if you feel like the client has goals related to pushing or pressing and you're not worried about um, severe imbalances to really program that. So don't be afraid to program volume. You want to, the second one was pressing overhead movements and sort of the range of pushing and pressing with the available range of motion they have. So making sure that you're still working that mobility, that active range of motion, but you can and you don't need to be afraid unless otherwise noted or contraindicated that they can move load through what they have as their available range of motion or their trainable menu. And then not limiting yourself to places where pushing and pressing can appear and really try to integrate it into your core specific work because it demands a lot of core stability and core support. And so you've got to train that before you put heavy loads um, through some of those movements. All right, so that was beyond the basics on our pushing and pressing movements. You can look forward to more in these in this series as we go along. If you're looking for more information from me, you can follow me on Instagram at foster underscore strength. Check me out on my website, bfosterstrong.com. Send me an email, send me a DM. Let's talk about this. Talk about your programming. I'm here to answer questions. I'm here to sort of guide you, figure out what you need. And until next time, 